This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It's six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Monday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the last day of November. A, uh, it's going to be, uh, the good news is it's the uh, last day of November. It's not going to be snowing here as it is across parts of uh, the Midwest. I guess there's uh, winter storm warnings out for Ohio and uh, some places out there. We're going to get some monsoon rains and some heavy wind, but uh, nothing that bad. Even in Asheville, North Carolina, they're talking about uh, snow today, one to three inches. So <clears throat> the good news is that's not here in the Northeast. They're talking about a lot of wind, but uh, I can deal with that. I don't have to shovel that. Um, before we get the uh, NFL action from yesterday, uh, some local news. Uh, the University of Connecticut was supposed to play a game on Tuesday at the Mohegan Sun against Vanderbilt as part of the Legends Classic. Vanderbilt has pulled out of that game because of a positive COVID-19 test. So the UConn game obviously is off. Uh, Villanova is going to play uh, Hartford on uh, Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Um, they were supposed to be as part of the Legends Classic. We don't know what's going to happen with UConn. There is a possibility they will still play. Uh, BYU is there. Uh, USC is there. There's also some other teams uh, at Mohegan Sun. So there is a possibility that UConn could still play. Uh, Just don't know what they're going to do yet. Danny Hurley said what they're going to do uh, he said they're going to evaluate his, the team's physical condition before committing to play. No, that's not has that has nothing to do with it. Let's be honest. This has to do with we haven't scouted the team. We might have to potentially play, so we are not sure if we want to play them or not. I mean, their physical condition. They played twice last week. They played Wednesday. They played Friday. Physical conditioning is not the issue here. Uh, the issue would just be whether they feel that they can prepare for the game or not. Um, UConn won its first two games, two in-state games. They beat Central Connecticut easily. They struggled like hell uh, to beat Hartford on Friday. Now, what they did do is they tightened up their defense. Their defense was much better. This game was uh, it was not a fun game to watch, to be honest with you. It, was, it looked like UConn was going to run Hartford out at one point. They had a 19-point lead, but Hartford just kept coming back, got it back within, I think, five points at one point, and then UConn managed to stretch it back out, but... Uh, it wasn't pretty, but uh, a win is a win. You'll take it, especially early in this season, and especially with the mess we've got going on right now. Uh, so we'll have to uh, we'll keep you posted on what's going on with that. We'll know uh, probably today, so we'll be able to tell you tomorrow morning whether UConn is actually going to play uh, tomorrow night. Uh, one other thing before we get to the NFL games, the cool moment this week, and I'm sure everybody has seen it right now, it was on the national news. Uh, Sarah Fuller from Vanderbilt getting a chance to become the first female in a Power Five conference. To, to play. She kicked off 
uh, in the second half. It was, you know, it was not a pretty kick. It wasn't like one of these long end over end kicks. And I have a feeling that it was intended to be that way. It was kind of a line drive kick, and there was no return. Uh, but good for her. She never got a chance to kick again because Vanderbilt got the crap beat out of them, forty-one to nothing. So they never got a chance to kick off again. They obviously weren't trying any uh, field goals or extra points because they didn't score. Uh, so uh, she didn't get a chance to do anything else, but uh, good for her. And she's actually said she wants to stick with the team. She said she's going to uh, hang around until they kick her off. So, and she's actually uh, asked for some tape of uh, NFL kickers so she can uh, do some studying. So good for her. Good for her. Uh, and I don't think this has anything to do with it, but the Vanderbilt coach got fired this weekend after they got drilled by Missouri. Uh, they are 0-8 and they fired their head coach uh, yesterday. So, but I don't think Sarah Fuller had anything to do with that. All right, let's get uh, to the NFL games yesterday. Before we get to the Patriots, I want to start off with what happened in Denver yesterday. The, the National Football League should be ashamed of itself. Now, look, I know that the obviously the pandemic is on everybody's mind and there's been a lot of shuffling that has had to go to go on in the NFL because of the coronavirus. But the fact that the NFL let this game go on yesterday between the New Orleans Saints and the Denver Broncos with the Saints not I mean with the Broncos not having a quarterback ready to play, all four of their quarterbacks had been ruled ineligible to play. One of them actually tested positive for the coronavirus. The other three when they had their quarterback meeting this week and the guy that tested positive was in that meeting, they didn't wear masks. I mean, that was so that was just stupid. You know, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Drew Locke, you know, tweets out that uh, and says, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and he admitted that the quarterbacks weren't wearing a mask when they when they had their, their meeting. I mean, now you could say, well, the Broncos were stupid. They deserve everything that they get, and that's kind of what the NFL was doing here. And that is fair enough. However, if this had been, let's say, the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, you know they had one of the best teams in the NFL, and they had not had a quarterback available, I highly doubt the NFL would have done the same thing. If it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the golden child Tom Brady there, and if he had not been able to play and none of their other quarterbacks had been able to play, I'm not sure the NFL would have done the same thing. Look, the Broncos stink, okay? Uh, you know, they're not a very good football team. So to me, this was the NFL saying, well, it's the Broncos. It doesn't really matter. Now, who it does matter to are the teams that are chasing the New Orleans Saints. The Saints, you know, basically got a gift win yesterday, went to 9-2. and two. They now have a stranglehold on the NFC South because Tampa ends up losing yesterday. And, by the way, not only did Denver not have their quarterbacks, let's remember that Seattle, I mean Seattle, that New Orleans didn't have Drew Brees again. So Taysom Hill has to play quarterback. He was hideous. I mean, this was perhaps the worst 
pair of quarterback performances in one game in the history of the NFL. Look, this is nothing against Kendall Hilton, the kid who ended up playing quarterback. Kendall Hilton was on the practice squad as a wide receiver for the Denver uh, Denver Broncos. The only reason that he became the quarterback this week was because he was the only guy they had on their roster left that was eligible that had been a high school or a high school and college quarterback. Uh, Kendall Hinton was the Wake Forest quarterback. The last time he played quarterback was against Clemson back in 2017. They converted him to a wide receiver his senior year at Wake Forest. And so now Denver throws him to the Wolves in an NFL game. You know, and look, the kid was thrilled. He was on the practice squad. He was working a job in sales last week. So good for him. I mean, you know, it's an exciting thing for him. But it's not a good look for the NFL. He goes one for nine for 13 yards. He threw more interceptions than he had completions. By the way, it's the first time that's ever happened in an NFL game. All right, but so you can't blame him. But then you've got the Saints throwing out Taysom Hill, who was equally as awful. I mean, so you throw the – it was just – and look, New Orleans still wins the game 31-3 to because they ran the heck out of the football. Latavius Murray had 124 yards and a couple of touchdowns. It was a 17-0 game at the half. They blew him out in the second half. It just it, it was not a good look for the NFL. And I question whether they would have done the same thing if it was one of their marquee teams. Now, you could say that you you believe that they would have. I'm not sure I'm buying. If it, I'll tell you what, what if it was the Pittsburgh Steelers who, look, the Steelers have had their own issues with the coronavirus. But, you know, if, if the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers didn't have a quarterback available for the game yesterday, do you think the NFL would have made them play? I don't. So, not a good look. Not a good look. Um, the Patriots, speaking of not good looks, yet, You'll take it. A win is a win is a win. They beat the Arizona Cardinals yesterday 20-17. to 17. And this had nothing to do with how well the Patriot offense played because the Patriot offense was terrible. Cam Newton was 9 for 18 for 84 yards and two interceptions. He threw an interception, I think, on the fourth or fifth play of the game. Patriots were down 10-0 at the end of the first quarter. The only thing that saved the Patriots' asses in this game was their defense. They confused Kyler Murray all day. Murray only had 170 yards passing. He didn't throw a touchdown. He threw an interception. He got sacked a couple of times. The Patriot defense deserves all the credit for that win yesterday. Uh, because the Patriots' offense had 179 total yards. 179. Excuse me. That is just, uh, it's embarrassing. You know, and Nick Folk, you know, we talk about the great kickers that the Patriots had in the past. You know, we talk about Venetari. We talk uh, about Gustowski, how good he was for a long time. Nick Folk is a guy that uh, is carving out his own piece of Patriot folklore. I mean, this is the second time this year he has won a game for them at the end, and they've both been over 50 yards. 
But the, it was about the defense yesterday. Arizona had come in averaging 414 yards of offense. They had 298. They had a great defensive stand. They stopped Drake at the one-yard line trying to score at the end of the first half. I mean, you know, they did everything they had to do. Cam Newton, look, again, you take the win, but 9 for 18 for 84 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. He got sacked three times. He did run the ball well. You know, he had, the running part of his game had kind of disappeared the last few weeks, but, you know, he did run the ball fairly well yesterday. But this, it was just, yeah. And the only reason I even know anything about this, by the way, is watching some of the highlights later. Because here in uh, Connecticut, we didn't even get to see this game, which pissed me off to no end. We are in, by the way, last time I checked, last time I checked, the state of Connecticut is in New England. The New England Patriots are our regional team. We are in New England. But no, we had to get the New York Giants game yesterday. Fox 61, the, the local affiliate, decided that we should see the Giant game. We are in New England. And I don't, I don't want to hear this crap about, well, you know, it's kind of a split thing, just like the Red Sox and the Yankees in baseball. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. We're in New England. We should be seeing the Patriots. You want to watch the Giants? Great. Live in Fairfield County. Because, by the way, the Giants stink too. Get to that in a minute. They were lucky to win a game yesterday against a crappy team that doesn't have their, their, their best player. You know, so, you know, and, and so why we were seeing that just, oh, God, it just irritated the crap out of me. I, I got to stop because I was, I was seething yesterday. But the Patriots were fortunate. And look, you know, are they still alive for the playoffs? Yeah, I guess. But let's not get too carried away with that. All right, five and six. They're not making the playoffs. If you look at the rest of the AFC, they aren't making the playoffs, boys and girls. The numbers just don't add up. You know, they were, and this offense is not going to allow them to make the playoffs. You can't play like this every week and get away with it. They got away with it. The defense made sure they snuck this one out. And could the Patriots win next week? Yes. Now they have to fly across the country to play the Chargers, but the Chargers can't get out of their own way. The Chargers find ways to lose games every week. They got beat by the Bills this week in a game the Bills tried to give them. The Bills did everything they could to try to give this game to the Chargers, and they couldn't even do that right. So the Patriots could win next week and get to 500, maybe, but they're not going to do it if they consistently get performances like they have from Cam Newton. And, you know, the other thing I want to ask, and and I, you know, I, it, it's a fair question. Now, I don't know that he would have made any difference offensively, but we keep hearing that we're going to see Sony Michelle. 
Sonny Michelle was dressed, ready to go. He didn't play, didn't carry the football. You know, we saw plenty of Damian Harris. Who's, who should? He's been great. You know, you know, White gets a couple of close touchdowns. But still, Sonny Michelle is uh, the invisible man. But, you know, you'll take it. But God in heaven, that was just absolutely brutal. And as, as uh, Ben Volan said this morning in the Boston Globe, and, uh, you know, I am not necessarily a fan of his, but he, he said, look, you know, the Patriots have lost their share of close games this year. So they don't have to apologize. You know, you'll take it. But, God, it's as ugly a, a win as you could possibly get. Uh, and, you know, Paul Jerry just checked in, and, and he's right. Uh, you know, he, he, he said, look, it's clear that the NFL, with the, as far as the Denver-New Orleans game goes, it's clear the NFL would rather have a joke of a game than no game. <laughs> or and, and this is still a real possibility, as Paul points out, a postponed game, a postponed game that could screw up the schedule, could clog everything up. He's, it could, this could still happen. Look, there's no guarantee that this Steeler-Ravens game is going to happen on Tuesday. No guarantee. If that happens and they have to postpone that, there's no more flexibility in this schedule. The, the, the Steelers have already been jerked around several times uh, with their schedule because now Baltimore as well as Tennessee having issues. I mean, you know, the Steelers lost their bye week. So there's no flexibility left in the schedule, and that's that could be part of it here. But I'm still telling you, I still don't think, Paul, they would have done this if it was the Chiefs or if it was the Bucks, or if it was the Steelers who, you know, it wouldn't, you know, are undefeated. I have a hard time believing they would have done it to one of the marquee teams, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just a cynic in me. But I think we have to face the real possibility. And look, we, we all know these virus numbers are going up. I will be frankly shocked if we don't reach a point where they have to add an extra week. They might. They did it after 9-11. If you recall, after 9-11, some games in September were postponed because of what happened, and they pushed those back to January, and they had to push everything back a week. So it's a real possibility that's that's going to happen. We just have to hope it's only one week. You know, if if... Now they're talking about, well, maybe we, we could get another surge on top of the surge we're already getting after Thanksgiving. You know, I mean, if, if these things happen, you know, and everybody keeps talking about, well, the, the vaccine, the vaccine. Well, you know, the vaccine hasn't even gotten that emergency approval yet. That's not even going to come probably for another week or so. Now, Moderna just applied for the same thing, but we're still a couple of weeks away from that even being a possibility. And even when that happens, it's not going to be an instant fix. It's not like we're going to, you know, because there's, there's 300 million people in this country. And we know that the healthcare workers and the first responders are getting it first. And then probably the senior citizens are getting it after that. And then they'll start rolling it out to the rest of us. But it's going to be months. If we're lucky by May or June, we'll be in a better position where we're somewhat back to the old ways. You know, they're saying that we need to have 70 to 80% of the population of the United States take this vaccine to get herd immunity in, in the country and, you know, get this thing under control. So that's not going to happen in the next couple of months. 
So I think we have to be prepared for the real possibility that the NFL has to push the schedule back. And by the way, just to go off on a little bit of a tangent here, I don't know if you saw the comments by Rick Pitino over the weekend. And I'm not, not that I'm a big Rick Pitino fan, but one of the comments that he made this weekend was that the NCAA should consider proactively moving the NCAA tournament from March. So instead of having March Madness this year or next year, having May Madness. If you push it back two months and you give this vaccine a chance to get rolled out to a majority or a good percentage of the population and we get and we push this back to May, we've got a better chance because now what you can do is you don't have to worry about a situation like UConn now having their Vanderbilt game canceled and wondering and then all of a sudden trying to jam another game in there just to have a game. Now what you can do is you can say, all right, well, if we're going to move it to May, we've got more time to mess around. You can be a lot more flexible with your schedule. You can have downtime. You can have bubbles for your conference games. You can do a lot more creative things schedule-wise to make it safer for the student-athletes. It's a very doable thing. And if you're the NCAA, you know, if you're already – if you're still – intent on the NCAA tournaments all going to be in one location. You know, whether it's going to, you know, Indiana was Indianapolis is where they're talking about. If you're still, you know, content or, you know, set on doing that, why not do it in May instead of March? Again, I don't often agree with Rick Pitino, but that makes common sense. Just like for the NFL, I don't understand the rush to finish and have the schedule as it is now. What's the harm in adding another week or two if you have to, and even if you have to move the Super Bowl back to the middle to the end of February to make this a level playing field? Because, again, my point about yesterday's game isn't that Denver lost this game and they got, you know, they they had no chance to win this game without a quarterback. That wasn't the issue. The issue is in the NFC with the teams that are trying to chase the New Orleans Saints. You basically handed this game to the Saints. This was a get out of jail free card for lack of a better way of putting it. You know, I mean if if they have Drew Locke playing this game yesterday, do they beat the Saints? I don't know. Probably not. Maybe not. I don't know. But it's certainly going to be a much more competitive game, especially when you look at the situation with the way New Orleans played. It wasn't like the New Orleans offense was some kind of juggernaut. Taysom Hill looked lost yesterday. He didn't I mean he looked like a different quarterback last week in that game against the Atlanta Falcons. He looked confident last week. He didn't look he looked like a a different guy this week. So again, the point's not about necessarily Denver, it's about the integrity of the results. And to me, 
that was an illegitimate result yesterday. I don't know that it would have been different, but good night. You know, now, you know, with that win, and New Orleans is the number one seed in the NFC. And who do they have this week? I believe they have uh, the Atlanta Falcons again, don't they? I believe they do. Yeah, they go to Atlanta this week. So they're going to play Atlanta two times in three weeks. They'll still won't have uh, Drew Brees this week, but 9-2. and two. And so that's my point. What's the harm if you're the NFL in pushing this back a week? They seem hell-bent on trying to stick to their schedule. No other sports league, by the way, in America has been able to do that. Baseball, hockey, the NBA, college football, college basketball, they're all making adjustments, but the mighty NFL with their arrogance feels like we can do this, we're going to do this, we're going to make this. It's like they're trying to will this to happen, you know, full speed ahead, damn the torpedoes. And I think it's a mistake, and I think uh, uh, I think at the end of the day, if we have any more incidents like this, you know, look, I mean, we don't even know in tonight's game against – or Tuesday's game with the uh, the Ravens. I mean, how many players are the Ravens going to be missing? Now, is it would it make a difference in the final outcome if they were 100% healthy? I don't know, but I would well, you'd like to think it would. So again, you know, if if uh, you know, if the Ravens are missing like, you know, 6 7 8 starters that can't play or, you know, key players and they get drilled in this game, is it still a legitimate win? It's, NFL will tell you it is, but I don't know. 31 minutes past the hour. we got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call at 33 minutes past the hour. Adam Schefter uh, just reported this a couple of minutes ago uh, on Twitter. The NFL canceled the Ravens practice that was scheduled for this morning. So the Ravens last practiced the Saturday before the Titans game. Think about that. They haven't practiced since the Saturday before the game against Tennessee, and yet they are still scheduled to play in Pittsburgh on Tuesday night. And by the way, we don't even know whether the Ravens, how the Ravens are going to get there because it's supposed to snow in Pittsburgh tonight. So think about this. You know, this is ridiculous. If you are the NFL, you have to be proactive here. You know, and and, and I saw this, some, this comment this morning. The NFL is being very reactive instead of being proactive. This is a case where if you're the NFL, you have got to look at this right now and you have got to say this game is off, period. We're adding an extra week. We're going to move this game for, for Baltimore and Pittsburgh to that 18th week. I know they didn't want to do it, but I don't see how you have a choice here. You're going to take a team that hasn't been able to practice for over a week and shove them into a game on Tuesday? That's ridiculous. And it'll, you know, look, and then if you're Pittsburgh – you lost. You already lost your bye week. Now you get a week. You get a week off. 
Now, you didn't get it completely off because you've been practicing in anticipation of being able to play this week. But you still get the bye week and, you know, you got some bumps and bruises. You get, you know, a few days uh, downtime. If you're the NFL, you have to do this. How the hell can you cancel the Ravens practice for this morning? They haven't practiced in over a week and still tell them they got to play on Tuesday. If they do that, it's an absolute joke. And look, I am not uh, I am not a fan of Roger Goodell's that I have made that clear over the years, but this isn't even this isn't this isn't just Roger Goodell. This is the the brain trust of the NFL. Somebody if it's Goodell, somebody's got to get to this guy and say, yo, uh, you're making us look really stupid here. This it would be a travesty if they make them play this game tomorrow. Period. So to be to be continued. By the way, we will not be here tomorrow. Uh, we uh, will be back on Wednesday. No show tomorrow, uh, simply because I have uh, a family commitment. My uh, my wife's aunt is moving tomorrow, and uh, I will be involved in the move. Not not thrilled about it, but I uh, I got to be involved in the move. I got to drive a U-Haul truck. I'm not. I'm too old to do the lifting, but I I'm. We hired some movers, and I, I got to drive the truck. So I will be gone tomorrow, unfortunately. And but we'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, so I uh, just wanted to put that out there. So, uh, but yeah, if the NFL makes them play this game tomorrow night, uh, believe me, Wednesday morning I'll I'll have plenty to say on that one. Uh, other NFL games from yesterday. So we didn't get to see uh, the Patriots game yesterday, but on CBS they had the Bills and the Chargers game, and I was looking forward to this game because I actually thought that the Chargers had a chance to win this game. Look, I know the Bills Mafia, as they like to call themselves, and I know that they worship at the altar of Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. I don't... Look, this guy shows flashes of brilliance, but I am not convinced this guy is an elite quarterback in the NFL, I am not convinced that he is going to have the staying power and turn out to be a Hall of Fame type quarterback, which is what the Bills Mafia would want you to believe. Now, I look, I could be completely wrong about this, but he didn't do anything yesterday to make me change my mind about that. Now, the Bills won the game. But I don't think they really wanted to. And Josh Allen yesterday was, you know, 18 of 24 for 157 yards, a touchdown and an interception. You know, he ran the ball a little bit, scored a touchdown running. You know, look, he wasn't terrible. But this was a Bills team that at one point turned the ball over on three consecutive possessions in the fourth quarter. They tried to piss this one away. They really did. You know, the only thing that helped them here was that the the Chargers can't get out of their own way, and they may have the dumbest coaching staff in the history of coaching staffs. Look, I don't know how Anthony Lynn hasn't gotten fired yet. And Anthony Lynn is a nice guy. He He is a hell of a guy. He's a great human being, but he is a horrible head coach. You know, yesterday, they 
they had a chance a couple of times to cut into this lead. They decided at one point in the fourth quarter they could have cut it to seven points. All they had to do was kick a field goal. They were down, I believe, on the 26-yard line of Buffalo. If you And they decided to go for it on fourth and one. They hand the ball off to Eckler. He got stuffed. And then, so you, if you kick a field goal there, it's a seven-point game. You know, things look completely different. You're maybe playing this game a little bit differently. And then late in the game, now they were down 10 by this point. You know, if they had kicked that field goal before, it's 24-17. By the way, they had another. They kicked another field goal with about 3.50 to go. So it was 24-17. It could have been 24-20. You're still going to need the touchdown either way. I get that. But still, late in the game, all right, you get the ball back. And to say that they mismanaged this clock would be an understatement. They're out of timeouts, all right? After a great Hail Mary pass uh, by Herbert, they get the ball down at the Buffalo 2. The clock's at 25 seconds. Now, you're still going to need a miracle to win this game or to tie this game up. If you're down there, why aren't you just spiking the football? You know, with 25 seconds left, you spike the ball, and then you set it up, and, you know, you try, you know, a couple of passes into the end zone. Maybe you get an onside kick, a Hail Mary, whatever, and you tie it up or you manage to win it. That was your chance. But what the Chargers did was inexplicable. They get the ball with 25 seconds left at the Buffalo 2. No timeouts left. They run the football. They hand it off. Eckler gets stopped at the one. By the time they finally get the next playoff, there's six seconds left. The game's over. Herbert throws an incompletion with six seconds left. So then, you know, it's already over. You know they can't score ten points in six seconds. But even then, on the last play... At the one, Herbert tries a quarterback. They call a quarterback sneak, and he gets stuffed, and the game's over. And but it just this is the way that this is this is what the Chargers are. They have become a laughing stock. This team has a lot of talent. Uh, <laughs> it was unbelievable to watch it. Justin Herbert is fun to watch through for 316 yards yesterday. You know, uh, he has got an, he's got a rifle, you know, but, and he's still a rookie. He's going to make some mistakes, but man, it's hard enough when you're a rookie to succeed in this league against the other 11 guys on the other side. It's even harder when it's like you got a 12th guy going against you because you have a head coach that's an idiot. I, I Look, he's I, I, I firmly believe that Anthony Lynn is getting fired. They may just not do it now like the Lions did over the weekend by firing Matt Patricia after that embarrassment on Thanksgiving Day. Um, you know, they fired him and the general manager probably a couple of weeks too late. 
Jacksonville fired their general manager yesterday. You know, I don't know that the Chargers will fire Anthony Lynn in the middle of the season because it's already a lost year, and you want to make sure that the quarterback has some kind of, you know, the rookie has some kind of consistency to get through the year. But good night. Just embarrassing. Buffalo won the game, and they needed to win the game because the Dolphins, with Fitzmagic at quarterback, beat the uh, the awful New York Jets. And so they keep their one-game lead in the AFC East at 8-3 and three behind uh, the 7-4 and four Miami Dolphins. But uh, I, I, I don't want to hear from Buffalo about how great Josh Allen is. And, you know, look, this Bills team, I'm not trying to tell you this Bills team stinks. I'm just trying to tell you, you know, if it weren't for Devin Singletary yesterday and Moss running the football, this Buffalo team lo- loses that game. It was Josh Allen didn't win this game. Uh, matter of fact, he did his best to lose this game. So, uh, but again, just a typical Charger performance. It's 44 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. A few minutes left this morning. Um, so the New York Giants uh, now tied for first well, actually, they are in first because of uh, the, the tiebreaker. They are in first in the NFC least after beating the Bengals yesterday in a – this, by the way, this is I think this is what irritated me more than anything, is that this was the game we had to watch instead of the Patriots. And I know the Giants won, but, oh, my God, 19-17. to 17. Four field goals and a Wayne Gallman Jr. touchdown – and they beat a team that did not have Joe Burrow. They beat a team, you know, with uh, with Brandon Allen at quarterback. That not exactly something to uh, to be proud of. You know, they held the difference in this game is that Cincinnati could not run the football at all. So give the Giant defense some credit, but if Joe Burrow plays this game, Giants probably lose it. And what's even worse for the Giants is Daniel Jones went out with a hamstring injury in the second half. Colt McCoy had to play the rest of the game. Uh, Colt McCoy did a good job of not throwing the game away. But if you're the Giants, you may be 4-7. and seven. If you don't have Daniel Jones, and he's getting an MRI today, uh, they did not sound uh, uh, real optimistic uh, in the post-game press conference, head coach Joe Judge did not sound uh, uh, real optimistic. But if they don't have him this week, you know that stay in first place in the uh, in the, at the top could be very short. Now uh, they have to go to Seattle. So, you know, even with Daniel Jones winning at Seattle, not going to be an easy thing. Although it is easier, I will say this: it is easier to win in Seattle when they don't have fans in the stands because that is typically one of the noisier places in the NFL. But uh, the if you're a Giant fan, you better pray to everything that is holy, that Daniel Jones, that that hamstring injury is not as bad as it looked um, because he did not look like uh, a quarterback who is going to be ready to go this week um, after yesterday. So we shall see. Um, my new favorite to challenge the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC is the Tennessee Titans. 
You know, say what you want about the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think the Tennessee Titans may be the second best team in the AFC right now. Uh, Derrick Henry just shredded the Colts yesterday. The Indianapolis Colts were second in the NFL against the run. Well, Derrick Henry yesterday ran for 178 yards and three touchdowns, and they absolutely destroyed the Colts yesterday, 45-26. to 26. You know, and, and, I mean, it just, Phillip Rivers, you know, was not very sharp, threw for 295 yards, but not very efficient. Ryan Tannehill threw for 221 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions. He only got sacked once. I mean, they just ran all over this Colts defense to the tune of 449 yards of total offense. 229 of that on the ground. So right now, that's my team. If anybody's going to beat the Colts, I'm getting on the Tennessee bandwagon. Not just because of the the you know the performance yesterday, but they have a great weapon in Derrick Henry, and he is cooking. This is a team that has a lot of momentum. Now, they have an interesting game this week. Now, you know, Dan Zampano, who's on with us every Friday, is not a big fan of the Cleveland Browns. However, the Browns won again yesterday. The Browns are now 8-3. and three. Same record as Tennessee. By the way, this is the first time the Browns have been 8-3 and three or five games uh, over 500 since 1994. That's how long of a drought it has been for the Browns. So, but Dan Zapano, not a fan. And as Dan has said, you know, this Cleveland team has been very good at beating up on the bad teams in the NFL. You know, and you could make the case that, you know, they won yesterday, but it wasn't exactly uh a resounding victory over a uh, one-win Jacksonville team. It was twenty-seven to twenty-five. You know, and if you watch Twitter yesterday and social media, like you know, people are like, oh, this Jacksonville team, the best one-win team in the history of the NFL. You know, come on, let's not get carried away. You know, you're trying to, you know, look, take the win. They don't all have to be impressive, but if you're, but Dan's right. If you are Cleveland, you have to make a statement somewhere and beat a good football team. And so this is going to be the opportunity for Cleveland this coming week. They have got to beat this Tennessee team, uh, but that means they got to go on the road. So Tennessee will host Cleveland, and I, I think Tennessee wins that game. Uh, and if you're Indianapolis now, you know, you are behind a game. You have a, a, a difficult game next week. You have to go to Houston next Sunday and you know on the face of it you say well Houston's four and seven yeah but this Houston team seems to have figured it out all of a sudden that Houston team is playing very very good right now so we'll see but I'm still I'm a Tennessee believer right now and I think maybe that they could give the Chiefs a run for their money uh, Tom Brady and the boys tried to give Kansas City a run for their money last night 
Two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, both passes from Tom Brady to Mike Evans made it close. Uh, the last one came with uh, 4-10 to play, but then Kansas City able to run the clock out and not give the ball back to Brady for another opportunity. And Patrick Mahomes, again, otherworldly, 37 for 49, 462 yards and three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill, 269 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Folks, Tyreek Hill had 200 yards receiving in the first quarter. He had 203 yards on seven catches and two TDs in the first quarter. There's only two other receivers that have done that in the history of the NFL. Uh, Quadri Ishmael did it in uh, 1999, and uh, Lee Evans did it back in 2006 in the first quarter. Those are the only guys since 1980 to have 200 yards receiving in one quarter. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Uh, but, you know, and, and look, Brady looked a lot better. Rob Gronkowski, big part of this game, six catches, 106 yards. Um, but uh, they dug themselves a hole. They were down 20-7. to seven. Give the Tampa defense credit, uh, limiting Kansas City to just one touchdown in the second half, a Tyree kill 20-yard uh, reception from Mahomes. But outside of that, uh, the problem was they just dug themselves too big of a hole. So Kansas City improves to 10-1, and one, and now if you are Tampa, you're going into a bye week, 7-5, and five, two games behind the New Orleans Saints, and if you're, the, uh, if, if you're Tampa, you become big fans of the Atlanta Falcons this coming week. Uh, one other quick uh, note, uh, yesterday, last night's game, Aaron Rodgers, four touchdown passes. Uh, the Packers crushed the Bears, uh, and uh, it was the 100th time that Green Bay has beaten Chicago. And since Aaron Rodgers became the quarterback, they are 20-5 and five against the Bears. And if you're the Bears, you know, you're looking at 5-6, and six, and again, you're, te- you're technically still alive, especially in the NFC, where, you know, if you look at things, you know, there's still a chance that uh, Chicago – and Minnesota could still sneak into the playoffs. They're going to be battling it out with teams like uh, Arizona and the Rams for one of those wild card spots. But uh, uh, Green Bay with a resounding victory last night. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We will be back on Wednesday. As I said, uh, I've got some personal stuff i got to do tomorrow. So we'll be here on Wednesday. If you missed some of the show this morning, of course, you can uh, find it at your uh, favorite podcast location. We're on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're on uh, Spotify. We're on uh, Amazon Prime. You, we are everywhere. So uh, if you missed part of the show this morning, you can uh, catch the podcast. It'll be uh, loaded up probably in about a half an hour. We appreciate your time this morning. We leave you with a little holiday music from Garth Brooks and Trisha Yearwood. Merry Christmas means I love you. Uh, and I love you guys, too. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.